turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. At the moment of your salvation, God gave you a new nature. It's miraculous. God gave you a new nature, a divine nature. Now, it's important to understand this because the New Age folks will take this and run with it and come up with all kinds of goofy teaching. But Peter doesn't mean that you stop being a human being. You didn't become divine. You'll never be divine. You didn't, you didn't get a spark of the divinity and you're not, you're not the fourth person in the Godhead. Okay, that didn't happen. Nor did you become, in some sense, a little God. That didn't happen either. Nor did you cease to be a sinner. That didn't happen either. But what did happen is God imparted to you at the moment of salvation by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit a new and a divine nature. It doesn't always feel like we have a new nature, but we do. When we trust Christ as our Redeemer and King, there is a change that takes place. I've seen it in transformed lives. I'll bet you have too. Maybe yours is one of those radically transformed lives, and God continues to build on that new nature for the rest of our lives. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're in the first few days of a series of lessons from 2 Peter chapter 1 about God's provisions for spiritual growth. As we've seen, the Bible addresses every condition or situation we face in life. Like Pastor Steve, I've been saved for a long time too, about 50 years as I record this. I've sometimes been guilty of not going to the Bible for help, but when I do turn there, it always helps. However, the information there, while of extreme value, is not all that's necessary for our spiritual growth. God gives us something else that helps us understand and use that information. Let's listen as Pastor Steve shares about our new nature. Peter tells us the truth, and it's interesting, in the early service, one of the uh, one of our our women after the, the church service came to me and said, I want you to know that's exactly true. I have spent so much money and time and years going to psychologists and psychiatrists, and they didn't help me at all until I came to know Christ and understood what the Bible has to say. So so even here in our own midst, there's a, a testimony of uh, of of the fact that what Peter is saying is absolutely true in experience. Now, we want to point you back to the Word of God for all the help you need in dealing with life's difficulties and challenges. And you may think, but wait a minute, I've read the Bible and I don't see the Bible directly addressing my situation. Well, I think that's very honest. We have to say the Bible may not and does not address directly every type of situation we face. However, by its context, the Bible does address by its timeless principles, and truths, every type of behavior in response to life's difficulties. It's all there. It may not directly address an addictive type of behavior, but it addresses idolatry. It may not address your specific phobia, but it addresses fear. 
In its principles, the Bible does address every type of behavior and response to life's difficulties. In, in the year 2001, I, I was just thinking about this, I will be 30 years old in the Lord. I came to know him in 1971. I think that's right, isn't it? I'm real bad in math, but I think that's, that's right. 30 years old in, in the Lord. I've known Jesus Christ for almost 30 years. And I want you to know by my own testimony, I have never experienced I've never known of any situation in all of those years and in all of, of crisis and problems and difficulties, I have never known the Bible to not address exactly what I needed to hear in terms of my behavior. I have never experienced anything in which I felt like I needed to go beyond Scripture. In 30 years, and, and listen, the next, if the Lord gives me another 30 years, there's, there's nothing else outside of Scripture in terms of behavior that the Bible is going to, or, or nothing outside of Scripture that will address these issues. The Bible is sufficient. The Bible does tell us about the difficulties in a marriage. The Bible does tell us about attitudes and, and motives. It does address fears. It does address worries. It does address idolatry. It does address responding to people, difficult people, nice people, all kinds of people. It does address employment. In fact, tonight, if you come back for Colossians 3, we're going to deal with employment and what the Bible has to say about that. It does deal with suffering. It does deal with comfort. It, it does deal with death. It does deal with wisdom. It deal, deals with every Everything you and I need to know pertaining to life and godliness. You don't need anything else. So Peter starts off his letter by a strong statement as to the sufficiency of God's revelation, his word, which he has provided to inform us of how to live a godly Christian life. Now, you need to get into the word. You need to see what it says. It's not a magic book. It doesn't help you if you don't read it. It doesn't help you if you don't apply it. Uh, Lord willing, next week we'll look more at that. But listen, just knowing the Bible, just knowing, uh, e even studying the Bible does not assure any of us that we'll be growing and maturing spiritually. Just information alone won't cut it. We do need something else to help us to, to obey what God has revealed. And that's why Peter tells us that there's a second provision God gives. It would not help us if we just had information. We need that, but we need something else. So the first provision is divine revelation, which is the Bible. The second provision for our spiritual growth is a divine nature. Divine nature. This is spelled out for us in verse 4. For by these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, in order to follow Peter's line of reasoning, we do have to ask ourselves, Right off the bat, an important question. He states at the beginning, notice at the beginning of verse 4, by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Question is, what are the these he's referring to? By these what? He tells us that Christ has given us precious and wonderful, magnificent promises, but by what? By what has he given us? Well, look back at verse 3, and you'll notice that the last two things that Peter mentions in verse 3 is this, he said, Christ has called us by his own glory and by his excellence. That's what he's talking about. That's the these he's talking about. When Jesus called you to come to him for salvation, he did it by attracting you to himself by his own character. That's what Peter means by his own glory and by his excellence. You may not have realized this, but you think back in your Christian experience, you were attracted to his character. You read about him in the Bible, or perhaps someone told you about Christ, and you came to realize that Jesus Christ was more than a man. 
that Jesus Christ was the glorious, perfect Son of God, God the Son, the epitome of all virtue and excellence, and you knew that you wanted him, you knew that you needed him because you were a sinner, he was perfect, and you may compare yourself favorably to other people, but when you compared yourself to Christ, you knew that you had fallen short of the glory of God, and you needed him as your Savior and Lord. You were drawn to him because of his moral attractiveness. You know, uh, my personal testimony centers on reading the Word of God. I um, I had a friend who witnessed to me, but I, in my arrogance, when I was a freshman at the University of South Florida, I, I liked this fellow, so I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be too nasty to him. I was just a little obnoxious to him, but I said uh, to myself, I'm going to go get a Bible, and I'm going to read the New Testament, and I'm going to then refute my friend. I'm going to give him an intelligent answer as to why I reject Jesus Christ. But lo and behold, I got into the Bible, and I was astounded with this wonderful person. That was the first thing that, that God used to impress upon me, not even my own sinfulness right away. It was the fact that I was looking to see a Jesus of hatred, a Jesus who inspired anti-Semitism, a Jesus who, who did all these horrible things, and all I could find was love and compassion and wisdom, and I thought, I, I have never read about anybody like this. And, and so in my own testimony, I understand what Peter is talking about. And then a little bit later, I came to realize he was more than a man, more than just a, a, a human who was filled with mercy. This was and is God the Son. That's what Peter is talking about, that, that he called us by his own glory and excellence. And that was part of the salvation process that, that God used to bring us to himself. Certainly, this was true in Peter's life. I'd like you to look at an incident in, in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 5. This was Peter's experience with Christ. Peter understood who Christ was, and he realized in light of who Christ was, attracted to him by his glory and virtue, that Peter was just a sinner. Notice, this is the incident in Luke chapter 5 in which, remember, the disciples have been fishing all night on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, they haven't caught anything. I mean, it's nada, nothing. And uh, Jesus, Jesus tells them, put down your nets, and, uh, and you're going to catch fish. Now, you understand Peter's attitude had to be, well, let's read this and I'll explain it. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, I mean, I could just hear Simon taking a deep breath. Master, we worked hard all night and, they, and we've caught nothing. They still, by the way, if you go to Israel, notice you look out in the, from your hotel in Tiberias, you can see the lights on the Sea of Galilee. They're still fishing at night. He said, Master, we worked hard all night. We've caught nothing, but I'll do as you say and let down the nets. You know what Peter is thinking. You know he's thinking, Jesus, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. You don't know more than me about fishing. My father was a fisherman. His father was a fisherman. This is what I do for a living. But you're the master to make you happy. I'll do this. So look what happens in verse 6. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. They understand Peter's a professional fisherman. That's what he's done for a living. And the boat's beginning to sink. He's got to get his partners. I mean, it's just fish are, are filling up there. And verse 8 says, but when Simon Peter saw that, notice, he fell down at his Jesus' feet saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What is, what is the saying? Peter recognized that the Lord of glory 
stood in his midst. This is sort of the same experience of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw the, a vision of the Lord high and lifted up in the temple and Isaiah just fell and said, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. I am a sinner. I am a, uh, undone. That's what Peter is saying. He's saying, I recognize that you are more than a man. You are not simply a carpenter or a carpenter's son. You are indeed the son of God and I am so sinful. Later in 2 Peter, the apostle will testify of seeing Christ's glory. Notice chapters, we go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised tales or fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received glory and honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus, as it were, by his flesh hid that Shekinah glory. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, which is what Peter is talking about, Peter and the other apostles were given just a glimpse of that, a glimpse of his glory. And, and he had a foretaste of the coming glory and power of Christ in his return. Now, when did you and I first become attracted to Jesus Christ? Well, Peter tells us that when it was when he called us to himself. In other words, when he drew us into a relationship with him at the time, the general time of our salvation. Peter says, watch this. This is the point of verse four. We're getting to the point, I should say, but it leads up to it. It was his spotless and impeccable character that gave you the precious and magnificent promises of Scripture. That is to say that because he's so perfect, he's so wonderful, it's from his wonderful character that he gave us these promises that you and I believe. Because when you've come to a point, you recognize that Christ is the eternal, wonderful God. He is Jehovah, Lord God. You believe him. He's never going to lie to you. When you see how great he is, you'll believe his word. And it's from the, his very own nature, his pure and spotless character, that he gives us these promises. What promises? Well, the promises, I take it he's talking about here, uh, the promises of salvation, the promise of eternal life, the promise of forgiveness of sin, the promise of heaven, the promise of his, of his coming again. The moment you believed his word because you came to see him as the perfect one who'd never lie to you, Peter says something happened to us. Something happened. Not only were you saved, but in the process of being saved at that moment in time, notice he says, for by these, by his glory, by his excellence, by his virtue, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Here's the purpose. Here's the reason. Here's the result. So that by them, by these promises, by the salvation, you may become partaker of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world. At the moment of your salvation, God gave you a new nature. It's miraculous. God gave you a new nature, a divine nature. Now, it's important to understand this because the New Age folks will take this and run with it and come up with all kinds of goofy teaching. But Peter doesn't mean that you stop being a human being. You didn't become divine. You'll never be divine. You didn't, you didn't get a spark of the divinity and you're not, you're not the fourth person in the Godhead. Okay, that didn't happen. Nor did you become, in some sense, a little God. That didn't happen either. Nor did you cease to be a sinner. That didn't happen either. But what did happen is God imparted to you at the moment of salvation by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit a new and a divine nature. You now have God's nature within you. 
You don't have God's essence. You have God's nature within you in the sense that you now participate or share in some of God's moral attributes. That's why as a believer in Christ, you can love other people. That's why when the Bible says to love your enemies, you have the capacity to do it. When the Bible says to show compassion, mercy, you can do that. When when the Bible says, be holy for I am holy, you can do that. No unsaved, unregenerate person can do that. They can fake it. They can look good on the outside, but they can't do it. They can't do it from the heart. They can't do it from the right motivation. Now, Peter's point is this, and watch this, is that God has given you a new nature to enable you to live a godly life. Not only has he given you all the information in his word that tells you how to live godly, but he's also given you a nature that makes you capable of obeying that word. It would do us no good if we had a word that we couldn't obey. So God has given you the power within to obey him. No one can live the Christian life without a divine nature. It is a supernatural life. That's why we're, we're not a religion. We're a relationship. We have a relationship with Christ, and he gives us even the capacity to obey him. So, Peter's point, there is never a valid reason as to why you cannot obey the word of God. There is never a valid reason as to why you as a Christian should live like a pagan. And listen, those of you who have believers come, who come to them and pour out their hearts and share their problems and say, well, I can't do this, don't accept that. Peter doesn't accept it. That's not true. If they're a Christian, they can do it. Now, if they still say, no, I can't, then maybe you need to question their salvation. In fact, that's what Peter does later on. He says, make, in verse 10, he says, make sure of your election and calling. If you say you can't and you can't and you can't, maybe you've never trusted Christ. You can if you've trusted Christ. Otherwise, you might as well tear 2 Peter right out of the Bible. Might as well tear out 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. God has given us all things that we that we need to live godly. You don't need to live like a pagan. And that's why Peter concludes in verse 4 by telling us, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. When you came to Christ, you turned your back on, on your old way of life. And from that time forward, you did have a power by an indwelling divine nature to live in a way that pleases God. You can do it. Not I think I can, like the little choo-choo train. You can do it. I know you can because the word of God says it. So these are some heavy verses, but I think some very, very relevant verses for us. We are threatened by neo-Gnosticism. We are threatened by thinking we can't do it. We can't obey what God says. It's just so hard. No one said it's easy, but God not only gives you a divine nature, he gives you grace and strength and and the peace and, and help. All that you need is provided for you. Let's bow for prayer. And we need to apply this to our lives. We need to think about this. We need to do something with this. Peter doesn't really command us to do anything. But I say in light of what Peter later says, I tell you these things to stir up your minds. You need to think differently. Now, I don't know what you're struggling with today, but I know that you have everything you need to live godly, no matter what the struggles are. It was Joseph Parker, a well-known British pastor, Bible teacher in the 1800s who said there is a, a battle raging in every pew. So I don't know what your battle is today, but I know that you must have one. But I want you to know God has provided for those battles. Everything you need to know about life, everything you need to know about life and godliness He's given you in his word, but you have to get into the word. It's there.
no excuses. And he's given you that new nature that enables you to obey the word of God. You need to think about that. You need to dwell on that. You need to act on that. So no more excuses for godliness or lack of it. No more excuses why you can't do this and you can't do that. And no more seeking for spiritual help outside of the Bible. Now, as I said before, if you need medical help, that's a different story. But no more seeking for spiritual help outside of the Bible. You have a sufficient word. You have a sufficient nature to help you. These are provisions only made for those who have trusted Christ to save them. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, then you need to see him for who he is. He's so glorious. He's so wonderful. He's so virtuous. He is the epitome of all that we consider perfect. He is perfect. Perfectly excellent one. And he died for your sins. And he invites you and even commands you to come to him for life. When you do, then you'll have the power to live the Christian life. It could be that some of you here are a little bit afraid of ever coming to Christ. Well, can I really live the life? I had a friend who asked me that. If I come to Christ, could I ever really live it? I'm afraid I can't. Oh, you can, because God will give you a new nature. You can't now, but you'll, you can then, because God will have given you a new nature that gives you the strength to do all things through Christ. Lord, thank you for teaching us out of your word this morning. We thank you that there is such a solid statement in Scripture with so much substance, so much hope, encouragement, Lord. Help us not to fight this. I realize there are some who struggle in these areas thinking that um, the Bible doesn't address the things that they need. But Lord, help us not to fight you on this, to submit, to surrender, to think clearly about these issues, to get into the word of God, to, to have a renewed commitment to the scriptures. Lord, I pray for that. So congregation, help us to go to the pure word and to see what it has to say. And Lord, I realize that this sounds like such an archaic, just old-fashioned, fundamentalist-type message, but it is the living Word of God. And I pray that you'll help us as a, as a church body to be committed to the Word for answers to those things that pertain to life and godliness. And Lord, help. I pray that those who, especially now, are going through struggles where they're in difficult situations and they think that they can't do what Scripture says, I pray that you'll impress this truth upon them, that they can do it. And they will do it. Otherwise, they really call you a liar. We know you're true. Your word is true. So, Father, I pray you'll take the word, apply it where it needs to be applied. And I pray that you'll open hearts, minds to the gospel, that some who have never come to you, Lord, would be attracted to Jesus Christ, to see him in all of his glory, all of his perfection, and in light of that, to see how sinful they really are and how they need the Savior. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you trusted Jesus yet as your personal Savior? If you still have questions, I'll have a phone number for you in just a moment. I've heard that many people say that the Christian life is very hard to live. <laughs> you know what? That's right. In fact, it's impossible to live it without the power of God in our lives and the Word of God in our minds. He makes it possible for us to live lives that will please and honor our Lord. Thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today's program is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's first sermon in this series of messages from 2 Peter chapter 1. To listen to the entire message on a free audio CD, call Lakeside at 
401-441-1714. Ask for message 4803, God's Provision for Spiritual Growth. And that's also the number to call if you have questions about how to know for sure if you have eternal life. That's 727-441-1714. Another listening opportunity is to take advantage of our library of previous broadcasts that you can browse on the Message Archive page at versebyverseradio.org. Feel free to stream or download any of the hundreds of files stored there for your convenience. And there's a giving page if you sense the Lord leading you to help support this ministry. We can't do this without the generosity of listeners like you. So thank you for your important part in keeping Verse by Verse on the air. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Another website I'd like to mention is one that's especially for our visually impaired listeners. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and want a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800-838-5924 or visit blindbibles.com. That's blindbibles.com or call 800-838-5924. I'm Jerry Peterson. In this first message in Pastor Steve's series about God's provision for our spiritual growth, we've seen that God gave us two essentials, Scripture and a new nature. Next time, we'll begin to consider seven qualities that we need to develop in order to become more Christ-like. I hope you can join us. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. W262CP, 